welcome back to the Amplified Word, brought to you by Christ Episcopal Church in Dayton, Ohio. It's a conversation and a deeper look at the lessons for the upcoming Sunday from the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney. We invite you to come along as we lift up the women of the Word. In today's episode, we're taking a look at the lessons for the fourth Sunday of Easter. Our lessons come from the book of Sirach, chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, Psalm 119, verses 97 through 103, the letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 5 through 11, and the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 22, verses 23 through 33. In today's gospel lesson, we hear the story of Jesus and the Sadducees, in which they ask a hypothetical question about a woman who has been passed, being passed through seven brothers every time that her husband dies. And the question they ask is, whose wife will she be in the next world? And Jesus's response is that they're missing the point, that resurrection is not going to be what we expect it to be. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Amplified Word. We're glad you're with us this Easter season. We are moving closer and closer to the end of our series, as a matter of fact. It's hard to believe. Which we'll be wrapping up on Trinity Sunday, but we have a few more sessions for you. I'm the rector here at Christ Episcopal Church, Peter Holmeyer. And I'm Mary Jane Plody, the program's assistant and postulant. Welcome back. Fourth Sunday of Easter, I have to say it again. Happy Easter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is risen the indeed. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Uh, that's right. You're going to have to work We're on still that doing the whole thing yourself, Mary Jane, once you're going to be a presider. Uh, <laughs> I've got a lot of time between now and then. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we're we're talking resurrection still. We're yeah, still in that season, um, and today we'll we'll look at a passage that kind of touches on this a little bit. Well, it's a resurrection. It's text. a resurrection question. It's a resurrection text. Sure but is. what I think we want to spend some time on here, Peter, is what kind of questions do we ask? Right. And you know, part of Jesus's ministry, his whole ministry wraps around teaching and people asking him questions all the time. Absolutely. People are asking him questions left and right. This is actually the teaching method. Yes. He does a lot of questions. That the the historical model shows is incredibly common at that time, right? So people people ask a question, question. they pose it. Yep. Oh, this is a law. What about this? Mm -hmm. Or we saw someone doing this, but what about that? Teacher, tell me how do I how do I enter eternal life? Yes, right? These exactly. Are the kinds of really broad, open questions. But how can ask. one be born again right. who is fully grown? Right. right, right. That's another great example. I mean, it just sounds like a a foolish question, but it's actually born out of a tradition where there's not bad questions. Just right? keep asking them. Keep getting in there. 
Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what I think we're getting at today is some bad questions. In my opinion, a bad question. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say it, everyone. You can go ahead and in the comments, you know, whatever. I think it's a bad question. I think the purpose of what I would like to (laughs) differentiate for, uh, for myself there, others will do what they want with it, is that there are questions that are unhelpful in getting you to a closer to a truth. But in that process, they eliminate a certain line of questioning as being useful. So in that way, no question is a bad question. But they aren't a question that actually leads to enlightenment, right? Right. It's not a Uh, directly. It's not helpful. And how do we figure out what the difference is between those two things? Because we've got what I would agree with you is um, not a helpful question. A bad question would be a a That's little a strong language would probably. be maybe is another was another way to say it that's at the heart of our gospel lesson um and what do you how do we um, I, here i want to just say this again i know i've kind of leaned into science here a little bit but what can i say we're really we're swimming in the end of the pool for the easter season where you can't touch the bottom you know which we're is good some we should really be... deep <laughs> questions here of what <laughs> And so I'm, I just want to, so sometimes what I can do is use what I know and then we can work around it a little bit. Again, I think about the scientific method. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. And how do you know if a hypothesis is a good hypothesis or not? Well, you test it. Sure. Right? So sure. you put the hypothesis to the test. And if the, if the hypothesis is, I think that there's something that's making items fall to the earth, Let's test that. Let's test it. And then you find Lo and out. Behold. Yep, sure enough. Gravity. And then you have another question, which is, I wonder if it pulls everything towards the earth at the same rate. Exactly. It obviously can't, Mary Jane. Heavy <laughs> things get pulled to the earth faster than <gasps> other things. So, what if I push this cannonball and this feather off? Well, a feather's not going to be a good choice. But I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, this ping pong ball and this cannonball or whatever that might be. Sure. But... Okay, so yes, you have to test a hypothesis. Right. But I would say part of a good, this is my physics background here, folks, part of a good scientific quest or or problem that you're trying to solve is a good question, one that is grounded in research already, one that you sort of dug around a little you didn't just write down a question. You thought about it and you thought about, well, what what am I specifically looking for? What am I trying to prove? And you're not trying to prove too much. Right. You have one question to determine, is there something called gravity? You have right. another question to determine, how does that work? Right. Right? So Does it does it impact all objects the same exactly. way? Exactly. Which is actually Those are a all different, different questions. How does and, it work? Yep. Right. And mm-hmm. all different experiments. Yep. And I think what we're getting at with this conversation we're having about questions is some are trying to do something too much. Like that's a lot. You're trying to bite off a lot. You know, our question about resurrection last week, we bit off a lot. (laughs) What is the resurrection? Sure. But I think there are also questions that are not really grounded in wisdom. Mm are not really grounded in maybe even one could say reality yes experience in experience mm-hmm. 
um, and I, for the purposes of the questions that Jesus is fielding, these are questions that people might have experienced and they're like, oh, I knew someone who one time, okay, but th where's the wisdom there? Where's the discerning in whether or not that's a question worth asking? Yeah, so a piece of the wisdom is being willing when you have a hypothesis or a question and it's not bearing fruit to be willing to change it, mm -hmm. adjust it, or let go of it. Yeah. To move on to better questions. Right. So, you know. To change up the experiment. To, right. To try something new. Yeah. Instead of beating your head against a Stop wall. Stop trying to cram that square peg into the round hole. Right? It will work if I just keep Yeah, going. the problem is I just didn't try hard enough. Obviously. The last 4,700,000 times. <laughs> um, so there's a, there's, a, there's a piece in there that's about, some, again, all these harder to measure elements. Um, sometimes we know them through what they are not. Um, and I, you were commenting on this. This is sometimes... What wisdom, I think, is one of the characteristics of wisdom. Right. It's a, it's, what it is not is something that's bullheaded, right? Stubborn. It, stubborn, right? Um, Single-minded to the point of not receiving outside uh -huh. input. Unilateral, yes. kind of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. And what we end up seeing in this gospel story that we'll talk about in just when we come back from the break is an example of some persons, some personages that Jesus is talking to, the Sadducees, who just can't let go of asking a bad question. Yeah, and there's part of it too, I think, here with their question is also their motive, their yes. motivation. That's right? part of that's part question, of like what is a bad question? Yeah. Like it's lacking wisdom or whatever but part of that is also mm, what are you trying to do here yes are you seeking to uncover is, truth is or there, are you seeking to trap someone is there another motivation in yeah here? exactly and that's useful for the womanist project as well mm -hmm. and boy when you look at what's going on with the culture wars and the challenges you see to our traditional american values and you know history as we know it is folks who have really really committed to a particular narrative, yeah. no matter the cost. They won't listen to others. They're yeah. going to be bullheaded about it. They aren't going to make any room for whatever the answers can be to include something that's uncovered by wisdom. Mm. So we're going to see an example of this, Peter, when we come back from the break yep. and take a look at our gospel. Yep, Jesus pantsing some folks and letting them know that. So there's your image for Easter. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back. Um, you got a great little look at what's to come in the second part. We're looking at the gospel text. We're looking at some bad question, trying to trick Jesus sort of situations here. Um, Peter, what's our question? What are we looking at? And what's the problem with this? Right, so we're in Matthew If you can narrow any of that 22, down. And We've got this open question about what's going on in the resurrection. And folks are stuck on some ideas about the resurrection 
that just aren't good questions. So their way of coming up with a hypothesis, a question about it, leads to some absurdities. You know, yes. this is one of my absolute favorite absurdities in the gospel because, you know, we've got a woman whose husband dies and then she marries a brother and he dies and mm -hmm. that goes on seven times. And I always think that my first question would be is where's mm. the inquest? But that's not the question that that's anybody not. wants. Nope. Uh, the question they have is around whose wife will she be in the next world? Their priorities were very clear. Which uh, you were alluding to this, and it's, I think, pretty clear in the text that they're asking an absurd question intentionally because they're, they're motivated to drive an answer into a certain kind of... They're looking for a particular, maybe what what we would use, you know, when you clip an interview and you yeah. only get the, like, zingers. Well, they're, they're, they're trying to get that. They're trying to discredit Yeah, exactly. The they're looking for the thing that's asking. out of context, that doesn't make sense, and that they can say, see, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. Yeah. And the thing that happens here is that Jesus just doesn't engage around <laughs> this question for them in the way they want it. Right, Mary right. Jane? Yeah. He, he very much skirts around it. He also kind of scolds them and says, you know you're wrong. You all are wrong. I mean, that's just the first like, thing he says. First of all, number one, you're wrong. Um, and explains that in the resurrection, no one can marry or is given in marriage. Mm -hmm. And explains that what, what you know about resurrection, you know God is living. I am God. What is wrong with you? Mm. What is going on here? What kind of question is this? It's like, this is not even a question worth answering. No one. She'll be married to no one. The end. Because really, there is no right answer to that question. No, it's, again, like you said, it is kind some, of a trap. There's some trap questions that you find in the Gospels, and it's part of Jesus' work to sort of expose the trap questions. Yeah. But that's not because it's only happening to Jesus. We have all kinds of trap oh, questions all the time. in our own world, which most of which we aren't even able to recognize as traps, I think. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, we're so, so committed much. to an answer before we actually ask the question that, as you were saying, the question ends up getting shaped in a way that can only like lead to the bite. one answer. Yeah, uh, definitely. Which again is why you know, I thought it was helpful to talk a little bit about the scientific method, because although you may imagine there's going to be a certain result, you actually have to run an open experiment and just see whatever's going to come up out of it. Right. You know, that's like one, the discovery of the microwave is a really great um, example of this. You never know what you're going to find. Um, so they discovered that microwaves worked not only for radiation purposes but to that they created heat yeah. because someone's chocolate bar in their <laughs> lab coat pocket which i was never allowed to have chocolate bars in my lab coat but we won't get into that it was a man yeah they, two standards yeah exactly sure. wow his chocolate his bar wife didn't take melts. it out of his pocket for him yeah his chocolate bar melts and they're right. thinking hmm interesting so you end up somewhere from one question, you have now opened a whole other world, right? And so the questions can be great. Yeah. This is not one of them. Right. The point here is not that questions don't are unimportant. The, the point is question, the type of questions 
matter. And I do want to say here, Peter, part of my own struggle with this passage is just the what I what I interpret as being said without it actually being said is who gets to own the woman yes and the end is she you, really even participating in the revela no, uh, revelation uh, sorry the, the uh resurrection or is she really just a servant exactly i even mean in whatever this even in life is in life she yeah. wasn't participating right. they handed right. her they owed her an from obligation one to the next to the next to the next but we talked about this earlier that's more of a subject object relationship exactly yeah than a, than a subject subject relationship right. the language here yeah. of leaving the woman to his brother right. like you're something that in your will Yep. You know, oh, someone's bequest yep. is that you have this lovely piece right. of furniture and also his wife. And and so guess what? The only thing they can imagine is that in the next life, in the resurrection, one of them gets the her. Yeah. But which one? The one who had her the longest? The one right. who maybe they had children or the most children with? The one who had the biggest house with her? Like, what are what's the criteria? And yeah so for our womanist lens i just this lesson makes me cringe of ah oh, yes just an object in this yes. relationship not participating at all not even participating in the question about resurrection and this is also another text that often does not appear during the easter season mm -hmm. quite often you end up seeing this at some time during ordinary time i'd have to pull it up i don't have it right in front of me but I love, so again, Gaffney, as we discussed this last week, has intentionally chosen this as a Easter mm -hmm. passage. And I believe it's right around what you're talking about right now. Because it has to do with this, she isn't anyone's possession. Yes. Your question is such a bad question, you can't even envision how there could be a yes. world where you didn't need to, someone didn't need to have responsibility for her as an obligation where she was a possession yes exactly the, the beautiful thing about liberation is that that stops being the case and what jesus is telling us here is that when we enter true liberation those sort of relationships just don't exist anymore mm -hmm. god is the god not of the dead but of the living and part of that living, Peter, I think, is free of this oppression, free of this um, subject-object yeah. understanding. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that really is the heart of what's going on here with this being an Easter passage and about what the value of a good question is. Mm -hmm. For both can bring us into spaces where we didn't, something we didn't imagine that is possible all of a sudden opens up to us in ways we couldn't see before mm -hmm. and it permits all kinds of incredible things to happen i don't really have much more to say today about i feel like that. that is a wonderful way to wrap up this this message and that's good news and this resurrection yeah absolutely. you know we talked about this a little bit and i thought i had nothing more to say i can't help myself here we are but, we're back you know what if what mary magdalene my girl right 
the apostle to the apostles is telling them, besides the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead, is the good news of liberation. Amen. Yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> so we'll be back next week to uncover some more messages of liberation and resurrection. And God's present in us all in the good news that comes on the feet of those who know to ask good questions. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Amplified Word. To learn more about the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney and our year-long formation programs, Women of the Word, we invite you to visit our parish website, DaytonChristEpiscopal.com.